Well, we all connect with God in different ways, don't we? Uh, last week in the children's service, I had a lamp to demonstrate um, that uh, when we connect with God through various ways, it's like a light going on in our hearts. And um, every time we mentioned a way that we connect, I'd, I'd switch the light on. And, uh, you know, so it was like through prayer, through thoughts, through singing, through an act of kindness or obedience even. We connect in so many different ways. And when we do that, the light goes on in our hearts, as it were. I was taken by an article I read this week about an Open Doors uh, youth event uh, called Shift the Silence. And they had two uh, Iranian women come and share their story of being imprisoned uh, for their faith and refusing to deny Jesus. And in fact, um, in Iran, people are executed uh, for worshipping. So churches quite often worship in silence. That would be an interesting thing in all souls, wouldn't it? Um, and they ended the evening with um, worship, as we would do. And they said, rather than singing like we normally do, why don't we whisper um, the worship song so we can have some empathy for what it's like to worship? And then uh, um, in the song, as, as they were doing that, um, the worship leader, I guess it was them, said, well, why don't you just now worship with all the passion and enthusiasm that you would when you're singing really loudly? And without instruction, silence fell on the room. And people were still worshiping. They had their hands in the air. They had their eyes closed. They were really engaging. Um, and they were consumed by God's presence. And the power was almost tangible uh, there. And they were overwhelmed as they worshiped God. God's presence tangible in the silence. And the worship deeply overwhelming. For seven months now, uh, we can't worship in a way we are used to. And it feels like we're missing something, doesn't it? Uh, whether that's online here or if you are uh, coming to church, it's very different. You know, online is great. And let's be honest, we might be back there in the weeks uh, to come live streaming from my lounge. Um, who knows? But over time we have mostly struggled to stay engaged. We may dip in and out or not join at all. Um, and even in church, you know, there's so many distractions. We're seeing people we haven't seen for a long time. We're remembering what it was before. We're trying to keep the children still or whatever uh, we're doing in church. And quite frankly, over time, it's so easy to engage less and less. And we can also become critical, the worship wasn't great, or it was too, the service was too long, or the sermon uh, was lacking. There's so many things, can't we, as, we, as our minds get distracted. But if we really come with an attitude and a heart for worship, well, then we should never be disappointed. Because when we do that, we're in the presence of the Lord, seeking only Him. And Jesus never disappoints. I believe in these times God is calling us back to the heart of worship. And what better time to explore and discover new ways of doing it. You know, worship is the activity of the human soul. It's what we're created for. Way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and God walked in the cool of the evening together, simply in each other's presence. There's an intimacy and an enjoyment and a relaxed way of being together. 
and in the world as it is, especially right now. Don't we desire that? I love these words of Matt Redman. Enter the unquenchable worshipper. The world is full of fragile loves. Love that abandons, love that fades, love that divorces, love that is self-seeking. But the unquenchable worshipper is different. From a heart so amazed by God and his wonders burns a love that will not be extinguished. It survives any situation and lives through any circumstance. It will not allow itself to be quenched, for that would heap insult on the love it lives in response to. The Lord delights in the unquenchable worshipper. Zephaniah 3.17 says this, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, and he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. When we worship, when we come to be with him, he rejoices by singing over us. Isn't that amazing? Today's Revelation passage gives us some tips on how to be that unquenchable worshiper. Firstly, it's with our presence. You know, they were there, it says in verse 10, uh, they fall down before him. At the throne of God, they fall down before him. They were in his presence, or they are in his presence. They turn up and they're fully present. No phones, I guess, in heaven. Um, but you and Jesus being present, fully focused on him, undistracted, desiring to worship. See, because God is always present. When we wake up every morning, he is seeking us. And there's this invitation, here I am. And we choose whether we enter in or walk away. And gathered here, either online or later when we um, gather in church, here we choose to enter something sacred, something holy. Are we giving God what is worthy of worshipping him? Worship is something we do and it's not something we observe or watch. It's not another part of our day to keep us entertained or to tick a box. Um, it is who we are and it is what we offer God. Secondly, if you look at them, it's around an attitude of heart. It's their response to God on the throne. You see, worship begins and ends with God. We worship who he is and what he does for us. But really worship in its broader context is what we do. It's our response to what or who we value most. And the truth of the matter is, in society today and in our busy lives, it may not be God that we worship. Our worship may be elsewhere for a lot of the time. One of my favorite uh, Bible passages that really speaks to me every time I read it is Luke's version of the woman who broke the oil on Jesus' feet, the perfume, the very expensive perfume. And there she does in her brokenness, she falls at his feet. And her tears falling, she tries and dries that with her hair. You can just imagine it in the passage, can't you? And then she breaks the jar of the most expensive perfume. 
there in that moment, her brokenness and her tears mingled in with this act of worship um, that was just abandonment uh, to him. Her soul poured out in adoration and thanksgiving. It definitely isn't your normal form of worship, is it? And others definitely rebuked her and ridiculed her for it. But Jesus loved it. Worship is our response to the most beautiful, most important, most valued person in our lives, Jesus. Thirdly, we worship with our words. Has God got your voice? Even when you can't sing, any time you spend with the Lord, at home, in the car, here in church, I don't know where you do it, whether it's free form of prayer or it's a liturgical thing like the Eucharist uh, when we come together. I mean, you may use uh, the daily prayer app, which is the common worship liturgy of the Church of England. And many times people think that's quite boring, but actually if you really enter in, there is such a richness of word in that liturgy through the prayers, through the scriptures, and through the responses. It's beautiful worship. And yes, of course, it may be in some songs too. I mean, Spotify supplies all my needs in the home and on my prayer walks every single day. However, um, we do it. Our voices in agreement, worshiping God. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Has God got your voice? And then it's laying down everything. Worship comes at a cost, and it's not only about our time. You know, they fell down with their bodies. They fell at his feet. Mary, um, or the woman in Luke's passage, fell at Jesus' feet. They laid down their hands, all they were, at, at the throne of God. Matt Redmond says, a song is not enough. The cross demands more. Nothing distracting them. Have you ever been in the company of someone you're speaking to and they're really looking somewhere else and looking for the next person they can speak to? It's quite annoying, uh, isn't it? And I'm sure I've done that to people at uh, times. But it's not a conversation we want to remain in for very long, is it? Well, when we come to worship, are we fully focused on God in terms of giving him all our attention? And are we fully abandoned, laying everything down, saying, God, here I am, not worrying about what other people think or what they're going to say. See, I think now is the time for new creativity, finding new ways to worship. But it all begins with laying everything down and offering ourselves. Here I am, Lord. Let's be together. And then seeing what comes of it. And lastly, we see from them, it's continuous worship. I remember when I was young thinking, you don't really want to be an angel around the throne of God if all you're going to say for all eternity is holy, holy, holy. But I guess I'm getting a glimpse and understanding of that mystery, is that when we are in the awesome presence of God, we probably won't want to do anything else um, as we are there around his throne. And so you see, it's not a Sunday duty, or a quiet time duty. 
it's actually a wholehearted, full-on, life-encompassing response to God. How we live, how we serve, our work, our attitude, our thoughts, all of it is worship to God. And we need to do that in a way that's worthy of Him. When we look at it that way, it puts life in a new perspective, doesn't it? Fanny Crosby was an American hymn writer in the early 19th century. And when she was a baby, she fell ill. And the people uh, caring for her put some poultice on her eyes, which made matters worse. Um, and without the gift of medicine and the skills, they, they weren't to know. Um, but she went blind after that. And she chose that she would be content and not disturbed by it. And at eight years old, she wrote her first song, and she went on to write eight thousand hymns. Imagine that, just absolute worship of God. And they were simply the a result of the fire that burned within her, her love for Jesus. And she couldn't be quenched. And when she hadn't gone blind, her response was this. Well, the good thing about being blind is that the very first face I will see will be the face of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? wholehearted, beautifully unquenchable worship. Eugene Peterson says, worship does not satisfy our hunger for God. It whets our appetite. So let us face this new season, whatever that's going to bring. We'll have some fun together. Um, maybe lockdown once more. But let us change our hearts for worship. Let's come back to the heart of worship. Let's refuse to be satisfied. Let's refuse to be distracted and be fully present. Let's not complain. And let's abandon ourselves to worshiping Jesus, encountering his spirit, and being unquenchable. Amen.